the grain. Looking at big ideas through the lens of small communities. A podcast where arts, culture, and the human experience intersect. Tackling serious topics through fun perspectives. Seeking that grain of truth. Welcome to The Grain. I'm your host, Jody Srutek, and today we'll be talking about people, places, and things. I'm here with my co-host, Darren McLeod. Let's get started. All right, Jody, so let's get, so I'm going to relate to the people a little story that I told you that I've shared with you already. So for those Grain family, for those of you who are new to the game, my name is Darren McLeod. I'm a theater professional in Columbia, South Carolina. I run a theater company called the Nia Theater Company, amongst other things. And we just had a big breaking out of um, COVID, out of quarantine uh, shows. Welcome back, we love you. So we did a, a family show in the morning uh, from a series we call Hala, and we did a, a adult show in evenings uh, from this new play called Eavesdropping by Crystal Aldenboy. But anyway, in our family show in the morning, we had uh, special guests at Upstart Crows, which are uh, kids who do Shakespeare. It was lovely. We had a great time. We did it outdoors in the backyard of the 1013 Duke Avenue where we're um, headquartered. It, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Probably about 60 people in attendance uh, outside, COVID safe, lots of energy, lots of fun. But one of the things I thought was interesting was out of that crowd, beyond company members who were there to assist, 60 people, not counting company members who were there to help, excuse me, guide people to parking and make sure people knew where the Porta Johns were and all that good stuff. Though I don't know how you can miss the Porta Johns, they're so outstanding. But anyway, um, amongst that crew, that crowd, we had two black children, and it is a family show. So we had a young black teenage young man recent high school graduate and a school age, a five-year-old. And we had a great time. And I mentioned that that's unusual for us because the NIA Theater Company, one of our big things is inclusion, diversity, however you want to, whatever you want to call it. Contrasting that to the adult show, we did eavesdropping, which in that show, literally there were Black people, white people, Latin people, Asian people, straight people, gay people, older people. Young. It was like like a diversity poster. <laughs> you know, we were super proud of that. But it really made me start thinking about the difference between the two. And um, one of the things as a theater professional, one of the things we're always dealing with is uh, the perception of us. You know, like some people think theater is a white space, a white thing, you know. Uh, movies are different, but, you know, plays and things like that, unless you're uh, doing a certain material, urban or gospel or whatever, which we don't do, it's, you know, it can easily be considered like, you know, a white thing, you know. So let me ask you a question. So we had, just for the people who aren't from there um, mm -hmm. and weren't at the show, Mm -hmm. Uh, so the morning show was, uh, was kids and families and that was the general audience. And then the adult show was, was, I remember very much advertised for an adult audience with mature content. Right. So, um, the kids show, you said they, there were only two black children. So I'm assuming 
that mm-hmm. that it was a majority white audience, white right. parents, white families. Is the that assumption would be correct? Okay, and but that's not necessarily the demographics of the folks that live in that community who would normally have attended a show in the past, right? And that's not who came to the adult show, right? Right, and not only, I can't speak for that community because we're new to that community. So this was a kind of introduction to that community, but in a typical NIA show, like I said, we proudly, as far as if you want to talk inclusion or diversity, we put our audience up against almost any audience across the country, actually. It's usually very diverse, very diverse. So that was unusual. You know, unusual enough that I made notes of it even. Like, hmm, this is different. It was still a great show. We had a great time. But to, uh, rarely have we performed to almost exclusively white audience. You know, um, um, we pick certain materials. We perform in certain spaces because we're not brick and mortar. So we're we are nomadic. We travel around. We pick certain places, even, you know, we pick uh, materials dealing with, uh, like uh, one particular show we did, Harlem South, which dealt with uh, the history, the black history of Columbia, mm-hmm. you know, turn of the century black history of Columbia. You know, certain things that we think are have a broad, that are very inviting for all types of audiences, but especially for black audiences, just to be honest, just especially for black audiences. So to do a, a performance that was, exclusive almost exclusively white and then in a matter of days do one that was kind of more a typical um audience more of a typical demographics really made me start thinking what makes something black what makes something white what makes a space black or white? What makes a thing black or white? You know, what makes an activity black or white? And I know this is a, this is a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty complex topic. And so, yeah, you first approached me and told me the story about the show mm-hmm. and then just said exactly that. How it got you thinking like, well, you know, are there are not are there there are traditionally black spaces traditionally white spaces spaces that are encouraged to be diverse spaces that include you know uh, people of a variety of races and ethnicities and but my mind went to gender mm-hmm. parity Right. Mm -hmm. And there are female only spaces and male dominated spaces. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a good thing. Sometimes it's something you want to foster for a sense of safety. Like so, uh, you know, if you have a marginalized group that needs to have a space that's just for themselves. uh, And sometimes it's a bad thing. One of the things I think that makes a space what it is, is security. Do you feel, you just talked about it. Do you, do I, I'll put it in the first person. Do I feel safe when I go there? Because am I, or am I going to be threatened just because of who I am? Are you going to be threatened because you're a woman? Am I going to be threatened because I'm a man? Just because who I am. Security, I think, I think I've I've been thinking about this and there's some, there's subsets of all this, but I think there's some, major categories that kind of define what a space is. Security, which we just talked about. Representation, do I see myself there? Mm-hmm. 
um, reputation. What is the reputation of the place, which is closely linked with the history of the place. They're not necessarily tied together, but a lot of times they can be tied. You know, what's the reputation? Is this, has this been known as a space that I am welcome, you know, in the past? Or maybe it was a space that I was not welcome, but it recently became a space I am welcome. So that's kind of history uh, slash reputation to me together. And also, is the space welcoming me? Do they want me there? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, all those things. yeah, sometimes the difference in that can be just one person and to bring you into the fold and welcome you in. And then you feel that sense of security and welcome and that sense of I belong. But I'll add another layer mm -hmm. um, to your list. So, you know, safety and security, welcoming. But also, I would say, you know, do these people share my values mm -hmm. is one mm -hmm. that I often will will get. You know, um, just myself when I'm in spaces that I may be like, I'm not sure I belong here or not, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I think that's another aspect of it as well. I'm an extrovert. I love people. I like watch. I love seeing people do good things and have a good time. I like to hear people. Um I, I like to go. So a lot of times I have found myself and also because of the, my personal interests, I have found myself in spaces where maybe I don't share, you know, and that's kind of appealing to me sometimes. Not like I'm some science, some anthropologist, you know, like, let me see how they look. But it is interesting. Like, oh, that's how they get down. OK, that's interesting. You know, well, I am not an extrovert. I am very much an introvert. Yeah. However, uh you know, through work and, and organizations and things that I've been involved with and, you know, I, running for office was a big one where I mm -hmm. had to, you know, it is a skill, like it is a trained, learned skill, ability to, to acclimate, right. Yeah. To, to uh, put yourself out there and, overcome your instincts, your own instinct of not wanting to interact with people, mm -hmm. especially people that you don't know in an unfamiliar place. So you just have to kind of compartmentalize your feelings about it and find a way to belong. Um, so I've had that experience a lot and I don't want it to come across as like being phony because that's not what I'm trying to express, but right. it's just like, I mean, it, it's just not socially acceptable in some instances to hide in the corner. Like if I'm there for a purpose, especially, you know, if I'm there for, at a fundraiser and I'm fundraising for a charity or, or fundraising, I would think as a politician, you've had to yeah. fundraise for yourself. I sure did. Mm -hmm. uh, it was during COVID. So it was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of in-person events but I've had to do it for other things. And so, yeah, you very much, and I, I compare it to being, to performing, to being on stage. Mm -hmm. It is, you almost have to create a persona mm -hmm. to, to be in some spaces and to be um, sort of accepted or at least I, I would say it this way, maybe not accepted, but to present yourself in a way that you want to be perceived. Right. Is that, see, it's like a give and take. That's so interesting because as a performer, you know, when I go in spaces, I'm me. 
I'm not. But I have people approach me basically expressing the same thing you just said, like thinking you are performing. And it's like, no, I'm I'm perform when I'm on stage or on camera. I'm just here. I'm just here being me. I'm I'm actually interested in, you know, mandalas or 14th century uh, feudal Japanese politics versus European politics, whatever, you know, whatever, however funky it is, you know, because you just, I'm just a curious person. But yeah, it's interesting. Even sometimes to your point, that's the thing, like you say, crafting these personas. Yeah. And I, I've had experiences like your, you know, this all stemmed from your, your play with the Mm. audience being Mm -hmm. not what you expected. What you're talking about is crafting a persona to be in spaces. So let me ask you this. Is that persona the same in a perceived white space as it would be in a perceived black space or in a, uh, gay space or straight or rich space or poor space? How does that persona change or does it change from space to space? So I don't see it that way necessarily. I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to look at it from a different lens. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's because of my experiences. I tend, it tends to be more the reason I'm there and then also the other people. So to give examples I often will find myself in places for older people, mm-hmm. like retirement communities. Like I'll be invited to speak about, you know, a topic or an issue that's facing the community and we want to rally support around something. So I'll be invited to speak at, in a retirement community. This happens to me a lot right. or um, a place for just various political groups or things like that. And, and the general age skews much older than me. I'm definitely presenting myself differently there than I would. Is that the more mature Jody? Yeah. um, Well, not necessarily. I mean, when I'm with my friends, I, you know, and if I'm with people who know me very, very well, Mm. they know, I swear all the time, just a blue streak. Um, uh-huh. I just, that's just how I express myself <laughs> uh-huh. a lot of the time. But obviously, you know, especially in the South, and we have, we've had that conversation. Right, 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 right. Where, you know, being in the South is, is um, especially when you're talking to your elders, there's a level of respect uh, that, that is expected. So a little bit different there. The jokes I tell might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pop culture references, definitely right. different. You know your room. You know the room. Yeah. But, That's it. Okay, and then, but, you know, also if, you know, I, I've noticed it with a wealth uh, demographic, mm-hmm. too, you know, um, a lot of different things. If it's women only, if it's a room full of men. Uh, Mm -hmm. very different dynamic there. Um, So it it just really depends on who the other people are. And then also if I was invited, I think Mm -hmm. that makes a big difference too. If you Mm -hmm. feel like an outsider somewhere, Mm -hmm. if you've been invited in versus you've been um, kind of selected, I feel like there's a difference there. Do you, Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
instead of selected versus like someone you know well is like welcoming you into the group Mm -hmm. versus you were chosen to come different. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a there are so many different ways that we do this as people. All right. Well, let me ask you this, because we're talking about internal now. Well, let's get external. Let's talk about the space itself. Let's say you're walking down the street. What? Uh, let's just make, I don't know what, a nightclub, a museum, a theater. What makes that, when you're walking by a space, let's say a restaurant. That's an easy one. Restaurant. You don't know the, the, the menu. You don't know the, but you just see this space. And your first perception of this space what helps you determine whether or not you would feel welcome going in there to check out this eatery? Yeah. So I actually, I want to flip that onto you. Oh, of course first. you do. <laughs> I want to flip that onto you first and then I'll, and, and I'll tell you why. Uh-huh. Because um, here, so I, we've talked about it before. I'm not originally from the South. Mm-hmm. I'm from, you know, New York. Uh, I grew up in a, in a diverse area in that there were a lot of people from other countries, um, but racially it probably was not any different than here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I often will seek out experiences that are not you know, the typical. And I think that might've been what was happening with your play. Some Mm -hmm. of those parents were probably seeking out a diverse experience for their children because they don't necessarily get it at their school Mm -hmm. or in their neighborhood. Maybe, I don't know. I'm making an assumption. Um, But I often will try to seek those experiences so that my kids have, um, interactions with people who don't look like them, who, mm-hmm. who maybe are from a different background than they are so that they get accustomed to that. Um, and so a lot of the time I will seek out, uh, you know, a black owned restaurant or, mm-hmm. you know, for Southern food or, you know, a Mexican restaurant or some kind of ethnic cuisine that I wouldn't normally get because I want to try something different. So it, for me, it's a restaurant is a little bit different. And I feel like, I mean, I'll just be honest. Sometimes I think that my white skin and my petite frame and me being a woman gives me a little bit of access to places where other people might not feel welcomed. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Less yeah. now probably than, you know, 50, 60 years ago, I would hope less now, but Maybe, um, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's hard. I don't know that. You know what I mean? It's hard yeah. for me to know. Right. I, there's no way that's something you really don't have to do. Well, we physically are different. I'm yeah. <laughs> six foot, over 200 pounds. I've been a big black man my entire life. Right. Know? And so yeah, you, the- you, spaces where you feel welcome are probably much different. Right. <laughs> And I, and more, one of the I would things, argue more limited, probably, yeah. in a lot of ways. One of the things I've done um, is I've kind of go where I want to go. Like, I know I, I know 
I go into spaces where I'm probably not welcome. When it's no problem, let's take it back. I know I go in spaces where I'm not welcome, but I don't care. If there's something there that I want to do, I want to see, I want to eat or whatever, I'll go there. But at the same time, um, you know, I got black people radar. You know, as soon as I walk in the room, and I know this, I, I can sense sometimes almost supernaturally, like where the hate's coming from, <laughs> you know? Like sometimes just a glance somebody gives you or something someone says, I kind of um, always kind of see where the entrances and exits are. Um, but all that happens is so much second nature now that I almost forget it happens. It, I forget it happens so much that when I walk into a space and there's a problem, I get angry with myself for letting my guard down. Mm, I see what you mean. You know what you I mean? sense the discomfort you cause other people. Am I understanding you correctly? Correct. Sometimes, you know, just like I say, just my presence. But my philosophy is that's not my problem. If you're threatened and I'm not threatening you, that's your issue. That ain't mine. You know, if yeah. you're threatened and I am not threatening you, you need to work on that. That's not, I, I'm not here for that. If you're threatened just because you are in a space that people just don't perceive that you belong. If my mere presence causes you a problem, that is not my problem. You know, on both sides, I've had people, um, I've had people want, wanting me to be their black friend, you know? And I was like, I, I have friends. I have tons of white friends. I have tons of black people, black friends. I have some lab friends, I have some Asian. I like, I'm a people person, I like people. Um, but if you come to me for me to be your black friend, I'm not really here for it. That's exhausting. That is, no, I don't mind talking like we're talking now. I love these real conversations. And I think to be totally honest, this is the only, when we talk about, oh, we have to, you know, keep the, the dialogue open. Most people don't mean real dialogue because real dialogue is uncomfortable. It can be. Yeah. Real dialogue means Black people, we have to meet white people where they are. And for too often, that's not a good place. I could see how that would be exhausting. Exhausting. And we have to be a little bit forgiving because uh, me and a friend of mine, we call it stupid shit. We get together, we give each other license to say stupid shit. Like, if I really don't understand something, I can ask him the question. And he thinks that's like, really? You think? that about white people? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But we, they're honest, as long as they're honest questions. You know? So um, that's the real dialogue. And I'm here for I love that, actually. It's, it's interesting to me what people think and what they don't think and why they think so and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it can be um, hurtful and stuff, but as long as it's genuine and honest and not done in... It is done in good faith. It's not done in a way to injure, but it's done in a way to, you know, help me help me understand or you understand, or there's just a misunderstanding. We can get through it. But for those people who, you know, just automatically assume that they're better than me or somehow I'm a danger to them or I'm lesser than them, I, I really don't care. I really don't care. I'm here. I'm going to do my thing, you know. Now, having said that, part of my um, 
my radar sequence is we do this thing, me and my wife, we call it counting heads. Where literally you walk in there, you go like, huh, okay, I'm, I'm the only black person in here. Okay, cool. You know, I made note of that. Or, okay, there's three people and you kind of make note of who's there and who's not there even. Where they are, the whole thing of whatever, you know. But you do that thing. A lot of times, especially um, for us, you know, we're both artists. So a lot of times in art spaces, like I say, you know, you may be going to check out uh, the work of some 12th century Russian poet or something, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's not considered quote unquote uh, black fair, though it's all people fair. But, you know, there's nothing for us to walk into a space and be the only two black people there or, or the only black person there or whatever. So that, you know, that kind of, Weaves in all the things I was talking about representation. Well, and my guess, my guess would be that if you do walk into a space and you Mm -hmm. discover immediately that you are the only black person, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty quickly, just based on how other people respond to you occupying the space of whether or not you know, you're, you're welcomed and feel comfortable or not. You'll find people who are, you, like you say, you know, you're not welcome and hopefully you can feel whether or not it's dangerous. So t- Cause sometimes that can be dangerous even. It's like, okay, all right. I feel it. Let me be on the lookout. Let me handle my business and keep moving on. Or as long as I'm here, let me, you know, and danger doesn't necessarily have to even mean physical violence. There could be all kinds of other things happening too. Or sometimes you could be in a space where people are, for lack of a better term, overwelcoming. We're like, hey, there's a black guy. Let me show you how great I am. Show you how liberal I am. Hey, there's a black guy. Hey, black guy. I was going to ask. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you've ever noticed that people feel relief that you're there. Oh, oh, oh that, like, you know, like, oh, this place must be. Look, we must be all right. There's a black guy here, you know, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, OK, 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 as okay. as. <laughs> One of the white friends, <laughs> I want to, <laughs> I want to say, I, I hope it's not perceived that way, but I am often in a position where we're having conversations about how to be inclusive mm-hmm. because there is a desire to make space for people, to be welcoming for people, to want folks who are not white or, you know, are from, other populations, whatever they may be, young, old, wealthy, poor, educated, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. um, you you just want some diversity of thought and, and experience. And experience, right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and often when you're having an event, like I'm still thinking of the art opening, as to use your example, but often when you're having an event, like you try to attract a diverse audience and sometimes that's hard. It's hard. And For one thing, art is not something, especially in the, in the deep South, it's not something, it's not a space that's traditionally considered. My parents didn't grow up in a the theater. You know, their parents didn't go to the theater because the theater was, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something, it's not a space they were invited to, they were welcome to. You know, even in movie theaters, they sat in the balcony. 
you know, um, we're sponsored by the Nickelodeon Theater. And for a long time, um, where the Nick is located now was the Fox Theater um, decades ago. And for a long time, right there on the street, they had, the, you can still see the sign that said, I think it said for colors only. Mm-hmm. And the walk up to the balcony because black people couldn't come through the theater proper. They had to go through the walk up and go straight to the balcony. So now the Nick is in that space that used to be a primarily a white space, but the Nick is trying his best to be as inclusive and diverse as possible. So, you know, you got all, like I say, you get all these things, history, reputation, all these things bumping up against each other and what happens, what, you know, what happens, what, how do people go? Well, there's a lot of things. Like I say, you're walking down the street and you see nothing but, you see, say you're walking down the street, I'm flipping on you, you're walking down the street and you see the restaurant, the same restaurant I just walked by that was all white is one year later and it's had a major turnover and it's all black. What's your initial perception? Well, it depends on... I mean, it's just a lot of things, you know, mm. it depends on what the food is and what the cuisine is. Right. You know, um, is there anyone I know there? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and that goes both ways. Sometimes you see someone, you know, and you're like, <laughs> keep walking, <laughs> especially if you're an introvert like me. You're just like, I don't want to talk to that person. I haven't talked to them in two years. It's going to uh-huh. be a thing. Just keep going. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> whereas extroverts are more likely, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you in two years. Let me right, get your whole right, right. story. Um, so that, mm-hmm. but also, um, you know, what's the food like? How expensive is it? Right. But I mean, just initial blush. All that is true. But just your initial blush, your initial reaction. Like when you walk by, do you think, oh, this is a space for me or maybe this is not a space for me? I don't know that I necessarily think about it in that way, because I Mm. feel like a lot of the time I have to go in and 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 kind of see how I'm perceived. I tend to think of, you know, being welcomed in spaces much more in terms of personal safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A- and I don't know. I mean, that's just maybe that's because I've not had the experience of not being welcomed because of my race. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, as much. Right. Uh, but like you talked about, you know, you'll go into a place and you, you instinctively kind of get a sense of, you know, if there's a threat and you're checking where the exits and things are in, in that side of the situation. And it reminded me a lot of, you know, I've done that, too, mm-hmm. especially when I was younger in my college days and we would go out, mm-hmm. you know, to bars and drinking and clubs and stuff like that. I mean, you have to be extremely careful and you know especially if you got separated from your friends i mean it's just downright dangerous and you're saying being careful because you're a woman yeah yeah Yeah. especially a very Mm -hmm. petite woman i'm Mm -hmm. only five two you Mm -hmm. know i've Mm -hmm. never been a big girl (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so you know people react to you in a way 
yeah. uh, especially men, yeah. especially men. Um, and so I have often gotten by with a very smart mouth, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but if you mouth off to the wrong man, mm-hmm. especially if there's alcohol involved, uh, you know, some guys don't just get offended and brush it off and, and walk away. I mean, some of them get aggressive. Right. Uh, so, you know, and you never know when that will come out either. You know, you might think it's over and then like three hours later, you see the same person and they've cornered you somewhere to like assault you, you know, verbally assault you. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that's as far as it goes. But so, yeah, so I tend to think of things more in terms of like personal safety. Um, and then, I mean, I got to be honest with you, because of that, I don't spend a lot of time walking down the street. <laughs> See, this is so interesting to me here because of what you I think about this. To be honest, I think about this a lot because I am I've been a physically imposing male since I was about six, I call it around 16. I grew into my man body. My man body has been different. You know, it's been more muscular at times. Now it's fatter, but I'm still a big dude, you know. Um, and just the way I move through the world, you're right. We talk about white privilege a lot, but I have, like, when I go into a bar, for the most part, just to be people straight People make up, room for you. <laughs> well, not even if you don't. I don't really worry about too much about people fucking with me because I've, I've been in fights and I've, I know I can handle myself. Not that I can't get got. Don't get, don't, I'm not that at all. But I'm not physically afraid. As a matter of fact, to your point, most people are probably physically afraid of me. I'm not, you know, a huge dude, but I'm not a little dude. And I, I, you know, by all accounts, I, you know, I, I'm fairly physically imposing. But to your point, I don't worry about someone I got in an argument with approaching me three hours later because it's like, get out my face, you know, or I don't worry about walking across a parking lot. I probably should, but I literally don't worry about walking across a parking lot alone to get to my car, you know. Oh, I would never see. Yeah, I go out of my way to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and, like said, and it is a constant thought, uh, mm-hmm. even, you know, elevators, um, you know, just, yeah, it is a constant thought. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and as a, you know, I've gone through, I mean, you talk about, well, I, you grew into your man body. Well, I've looked like this, mm-hmm. honestly, since I was a child. Mm-hmm. since I was like 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And so that makes you keenly aware of how you are per- perceived by men yeah. um, mm-hmm. at a very young age. So, uh, you know, you just, and I, and it's not like a, an overwhelming fear that like, you know, I can't go on public. I mean, I do. It's mm-hmm. just an awareness. It's a level right. of awareness. You govern yourself that, accordingly. You right. like, like I talked about earlier, like, like sometimes, and black people, we do this to each other. Like sometimes you're out and say you get into a white people. Say I went, say I'm walking down the street and I see this all white restaurant. I go in and me and some white dudes get into it. And later on, I'm, re- I'm relating the story to some black friends of mine. And they would say, well, well, shit, why were you even there? You know, you know, you know what happens. And basically the shorthand is, you know, you're not welcome there. If you're there, you're partially to blame even. 
And I see that happening with women all the time. Like, but what was she doing there at that time of night, you know, by herself, you know? And all of a sudden, you know, suspicion gets flipped on a woman for just, I'm like, well, are we still talking about the same thing? Like, she was there, you know? You know, it's it's. I'll give you a story. Years ago, I used to work in an Army Navy store when it was downtown on Main Street, Columbia, and we used to have this um, this thing. The crew crew we worked there, we'd all take snack breaks, and every snack break, it was somebody's uh, a different person's um, gig to go across the street, cross the corner, and buy like junk food, come back and feed everybody else. So. Um, there was a woman there at the time named Lisa. She was the only woman working there. And when it came time, I remember one time it came time for her to go to make the snack, snack break run. And she's like, oh, I hate snack break run. I was like, what? what are you talking about? I was like, we could get stuff in the snack break. It's like, great. And she's like, nah. She's like, every time I go across the street, these dudes, you know, they're catcalling me. You know, they're standing on the corner. They're harassing me, blah, 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 blah. And before I could think about it, I went, what are you talking about? That never happens to me. As soon as I said it, I felt <laughs> so small because reflexively, you know, I seeing the world through the lens that is you, I went, Oh, but yeah, that's just the point. Like you said, of course it wouldn't happen to me. Why would it happen to me? I want some young, attractive woman. Why would that happen to me? You know, and the worst part is when you realize that it wouldn't happen to her either if you went with her. Ooh, right. If you walked with her. Now, see, that was a big look. They'd look, but they they wouldn't wouldn't say say that. No, they wouldn't say that. No, because that was a big thing um, growing up. Like even now, I'll be at a party or something and a woman is leaving and you can see all the men making doing the calculations in their mind. Like, is she walking by herself? You know, wait, where you parked? You know, wait, and sometimes I'm like, I'm not fine, I'm fine. But you're like, no, where you parked? Like, oh, that's three blocks. No, yo, man, I'll be back. I'm gonna walk her to a car, a blah, 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 blah. Or sometimes you get lasers, like, oh, somebody else's ass. And then you find out, wait a minute, Jody walked out of here by herself? Why didn't somebody, you know, cause everybody was lazy that night or whatever. So I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, well, men are constantly doing that. Honestly, sometimes going by yourself is a calculation, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. because maybe the person offering you help is the person you're trying to get away from. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) and it's a, there is a delicate dance. So we were talking about people, places, and things. I mean, Mm -hmm. male egos can be fragile. (laughs) Right. So, you know, like. But see, okay, flipping it now, flipping it, the same thing. Like, um, I go places and the only people I feel threatened from are white women. I can understand that completely. Only I can are... see how someone who, you know, a self-described big black dude would be mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. nervous. Right, right. Around, like... as, specifically around someone like me. Right, because automatically, <laughs> who maybe is threatened by everything. Right, and obviously you're not, but you know you're there, and sometimes, literally, almost every time it happens, no matter how alert you are, it comes out of nowhere, because it's usually some bullshit. You know, something. Oh well, uh, you know, next thing you know, the police are there. You're like, oh yeah, why would the police? Literally, you're standing there going, yo, I wonder why the police are there, and they come to talk to you, and you're like, what? I mean, I've literally had that happen. I can't even tell you how many times. 
That you makes like, me sad. It shouldn't well, happen that way. I mean, basically, oh. and and it goes to your your point a moment ago. Why were you even there? And sometimes there is just like literally existing, you know. Right. But the, the 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 shorthand for that also is you're not welcome here. Back to people, places, spaces, and things. Mm-hmm. The the message they're trying to send is. Why are you even here? Mm-hmm. You know, so what if the food is good or so what if the music is good or so what if your friends are here or so what if you just like this space or whatever reason you are here? What if the artwork is something that appeals to your personal aesthetic or whatever? You are not welcome here. How dare you know you're not some look, you're, you know, you can almost hear white people thinking like you're the only black person here. Why are you here? You know, well, and it's not even necessarily the space mm-hmm. necessarily sometimes it can be i would say but mm-hmm. but i mean honestly sometimes it can just be one person I and mean, when we think back i don't remember maybe it was last year or two years ago times i don't have any relationship yeah. to time anymore COVID twisted it all up but the guy who was bird watching oh yeah in, in new york Park, right. and mm-hmm. the woman who was walking her dog and she was afraid of him because he was a big black dude and he Mm -hmm. was in the park alone and she Mm -hmm. was alone. She was alone, which Mm -hmm. I think is more relevant than any. He wasn't even a big black dude. Literally. He was a black dude is enough. (laughs) He was tall. (laughs) I think he was over six feet tall, but still, Mm -hmm. you know, but he had binoculars. And Mm -hmm. so him being there where she did not expect him. Right. And she became frightened because she felt uncomfortable. Right. She felt he had to be. See, I see that happen. Well, just like I told you, I have I cannot even tell you how many times I've seen white people use the police like their attack dog. Like most of the time, they'll just threaten you with, well, I'm going to call the cops. And it's like like a personal security. Exactly. Company. You see that in neighborhoods sometimes, Mm -hmm. like, you know, well, there are people going door to door. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why? Mm -hmm, (laughs) Well, there's mm -hmm. no soliciting. It's in our neighborhood. They can't be here. Uh, Well, are they soliciting? Are they selling you something? Mm -hmm. Well, no, they're, you know, they're registering people to vote. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. that's not. That's allowed. Right. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have to answer your door, but they'll call the cops. Right. Because they the don't, they're afraid is... to to confront the person and say, you know, why are you in our neighborhood? You know, are you allowed to be here? Did you get permission from the homeowners association? Whatever. Or even sometimes when they confront people, I really think sometimes like white people want you to be afraid. And you're like, I'm not afraid. Like, you know, well, I'll call the cops. You know, that's that's always a trump card. I'll call the cops. No matter what, it, there could be a disagreement or not. You could just be ignoring them. And they'll be like, well, I'll call the cops. Like I say, it's like they think of the police as their own attack dog because we all know the history. The history is, yeah. you know. And I, I have to admit, I've been in places where I, I've made a decision like, you know, I'm not afraid, but it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Like, okay, do I want to stand here and make a point and let the cops come and risk uh, getting in a situation. Don't do and, it. Please right. don't do that. It's just like, it's <laughs> just, just well, don't do that. Just well, I've actually, world. I've actually been in situations where cops 
I've been in a situation where I got into a fight with a bunch of cops. I got uh, jailed and not for literally in being in my neighborhood. For walking in my, you know, walking while all those stories they talk about, you know, they'd like uh, driving while black done that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, fell asleep on a college campus, my college campus in between classes and the uh, police approach you done that driving in an old broken down car of my roommate and they stop us uh, because they think we're part of some car burglary ring done that. That's just a long way of saying we live by we, I mean, black people. And I mean, particularly black people, period, children, women, and especially men, you're always one white person away from disagreeing with you from being in a confrontation, you know, and sometimes it's laughable. Sometimes it's infuriating. Sometimes it's frightening. You know, it's all those things. Um, and the spaces uh, are a big part of that. Like I said, you know, from the beginning, you know, what makes something, I know this is a deeper dive than we could, but just e- even talking about it, what makes spaces a, an acceptable black space or an acceptable white space or an acceptable gay space? We didn't even hit on um, sexual orientation. I have stories about that, you know gender, religion, you know, uh, everything. We, we find a lot of ways to divide ourselves. We find we could create a tribe if we need to, but what makes these things what they are? Do we need them? To your point, I think the dude, I know sometimes going in an all black space is just nice. It's just, you know, there's still human beings there. So I got, but I don't have to worry about somebody being pissed off because I'm black, you know, or I'm sure for you probably going in space sometimes where there's all women and you're going to, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I was saying in the beginning, it's like, sometimes it's, it's done purposefully Mm. and sometimes it's done unintentionally. And so I think when, you know, excluding people is done unintentionally and making people feel unwelcome is not the intention. And so that's where the exploration should come. What if it's done intentionally? Uh, I'll give you an example. I went to a gay club once years ago where uh, the person at the door didn't want to let me in because they perceived me as a threat. Now, granted, it was a club I'd been in before. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, they looked at me. Well, I know the reason. Physically, they thought I looked like a threat. And someone else came to uh, the ticket window, the ticket office, and um, they were like, what's going on? And uh, me, and I was with a woman. Um, she actually started relating the story. And he's like, what? What, what are you doing? And the, the dude who initially wouldn't let me in, he walked off and said, I'm not taking any responsibility for this. Like, I don't know, he thought I was going to go in and turn into a bomb and blow up or something. But that was a space. And especially this was year, this is probably 20, 30 years ago, maybe easily 20 plus years ago um, in Columbia, South Carolina, 
you know, gay people having a space that's their own. I understand that. But like I said, you know, for a person like myself, who just, I had, I went in and had tons of gay friends there and blah, 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 you know, like to your point, what, what are the lines? What are the rules? What does make something this or that or not this or not that? And when do I, you know, it may be a little sad that that dude thought I was a, I was dangerous just because I looked the way I look. He knew nothing about me. And if he had bothered to ask anyone who knew me, he'd be like, no, he's cool. Don't piss him off and you're good. You know? Did he perceive you as straight? Because you were there with a woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so the question was, and I think then it gets to something like, and I'm not, you know, excusing it or not, but you as a straight couple, Mm -hmm. male, female, uh, pair going out together for the evening had your choice of any place in the city. Right. Mm. This specific space was for people who are excluded Mm. regularly. Look, dude, you could go, go somewhere else and party. And I could have, I would have not agreed. I wouldn't have liked that argument, but I understood it because I thought about it later myself. But the idea that somehow I was a danger when there were other couples in there, not a lot, but there were a handful of other couples in there, you know, like, mm, okay, okay. I don't know. It's just, it's a, like I said, this is a deep dive. It's a really interesting conversation. And once we get live, we're going to have to have people call in. We have to yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, there are so many stories of mm-hmm. places, you know, spaces that I have, have specifically created for certain groups, like just for women, um, or, you know, just for students or just for, uh, what have you. But, um, I have not often been excluded mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have at times been made to feel like I don't belong somewhere though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, it's never a good feeling. And that was the, that was the feeling that you were describing as well. And mm-hmm. so we could go, you know, 10 more episodes on the same topic is like what makes it a welcoming space or, you know, exclusionary, right? But um, I think at the end of the day, we have to kind of wrap it up. So what do you have a closing thought? We hope you, what we're sharing, discussion and debate, we hope we uh, made you laugh a little bit, made you think a little bit. But just know you're welcome here. Whatever, whatever, whoever, whenever you are, whatever, you're welcome here. Um, and yeah, it's cool. The perfect conclusion. Perfect. perfect. Thanks again, Green family. We'll hope you'll uh, join us next time. And don't forget to subscribe for more great episodes. The Grain Podcast is brought to you through a grant from the Knight Foundation in partnership with Indie Grits Labs and the lovely people of 29203. Thanks to our audio engineer, Isabel Alvarado, and our hosts, Darren McLeod and Jody Srutek.